I'm hoping that uh, generative AI and UFOs, um, with a little dose of uh, nostalgia thrown in there, that'll be like our Nirvana state. Well, everything will be great. Hello and welcome to Grow Up, an APG Canada podcast, where we give strategic thinkers and creative tinkerers opportunities to grow. I'm your host, Michelle Lee, and today on the show, and actually for the next 10 weeks, we'll be celebrating 10 years of the APG. With APG Canada 10, we'll be releasing 10 new episodes to explore how strategy in Canada has changed over the last 10 years and what might be in store for the next. In this series, we'll be talking to strategists, creatives, HR, and management to gather their diverse perspectives. So today we're chatting with Richard Fafana, EVP Strategy at UM. And just before we dive in, we want to give a special shout out to the team at McCann for sponsoring the series. As one of Canada's leading strategy departments and supporters of strategic planning, they've shown a keen interest in continuing to help us foster and strengthen Canada's strategic talent. And for that, we thank you. Richard, welcome to the show. I've uh, been excited about this um, chat, uh, and uh, I know we've had it in the books for a little while. So um, if you could introduce yourself to our listeners, tell us a bit about your background, uh, and then obviously since we're celebrating the 10th anniversary of the APG Canada, we'd love it if you could tell us where you were 10 years ago today. Sure. Uh, thank you for having me on the show, Michelle. Uh, I've been looking forward to this too, and uh, um, I'm looking forward to uh, a great chat. Um, so, and congratulations to the APG, 10 years, hooray. That's, uh, that's amazing to think. Um, as I was preparing and thinking about, you know, what was happening 10 years ago uh, with me, um, it is pretty remarkable that this uh, uh, group has, um, that this group has kind of ascended to uh, a really great um, authority and, and community for the, the planning uh, group in Canada. So um, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you for being part of it. So where were you 10 years ago today? Do you remember? Do you, do I need to go look at your LinkedIn or? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that would be helpful. Yeah. 10 years ago today. Well, uh, so my, my background is a strategist. I think each of us have got a really unique story and, and pathway to how we've arrived at where we are right now. I'm uh, currently the uh, head of strategy at uh, UM as a media agency. Uh, we're the most awarded media agency in Canada. And uh we have some really great clients and partners that we work with that help us uh, produce some, some good work. So uh, really grateful for that. Um, but I started off in um, marketing and, and communications on the client side, actually, in, uh, in research and, uh, and insights, innovation at uh, places like craft, um, craft modelies, uh, I guess, working on brands like uh, Jell-O, Craft Dinner, um, and then moved on to Molson. And, uh, and then had an opportunity to uh, jump to the creative agency side in a, a more classic strategy uh, role um, at, uh, at Publicis and then Taxi 2 and at uh, La Roche. So I spent roughly about the same amount of time, I think, working on client side, creative agency, and now uh, media agency worlds. Mm. Wow, that's quite, quite a combination. And, and I am kind of uh, trolling you on LinkedIn now. It looks like you were, let's see, June 2013, you would have been at Low Roche as a VP Planning and Integrated Strategy. Yes. And uh, yeah, back in 2013, a um, lot of new beginnings actually for me personally that at, at home, uh, wow, 10 years, 10 years ago, we, um, we had a five-year-old, a three-year-old and a newborn. Um, so, uh, it, like the whole world seemed like it was brand new and, and, and glorious. And I think from a, an industry perspective, you know, a lot of cool things were happening at that point too. But, um, I, I think most of my thinking at that point was kind of clouded by 
uh, candy and, and green spaces where all the good parks in Toronto, you know, it's, it's, it's actually shocking how your mental map changes, right? You know, here are all the cool bars and pop-up events. And then all of a sudden you've got a household of small people and it's like, okay, we're all the best waiting pools for toddlers. That's my, so, um, <laughs> uh, but like probably ar around that time, I, I actually wanted to look back um, at what was happening around that time. So I did a, a bit of a, a little googly search and it's just interesting, right? Like uh, um, Edward Snowden, right? He took off to hide out in Russia around that time. Um, so it's a di different uh, mindset, I think, worldwide then versus today. I think we still had some semblance of, uh, of hope and um, respect for the institutions, you know, government and uh, uh, and business and and uh, and community. Uh, and I think it, a lot of that has kind of come under siege um, today. But back then, I think it was more of a light time. Um, uh, I read that uh, twerking got added to the Oxford Dictionary, right? So important moments like that were kind of surrounding us socially. Um, and uh, yeah, what, but 10 years ago was kind of a pivot point for me as a, as a strategist. Um, as you said, yeah, I worked uh, at uh, La Roche and, and at, uh, at uh, T2 um, and had been on the creative agency side for about 10 years prior to that. Um, but I, I did have an opportunity to get exposure to the media strategy side. And, um, you know, when we think about what we do as, as strategists, right, we define a problem, we hunt and we dig and we connect the dots that we, you know, we try to bring some uh, meaningful order, right? And frame up approaches to, to solve our clients' problems. It's the same thing on the media side as well, just a slightly different, a different lens. But uh, what I really liked about uh, media was an opportunity to look at the broader picture around, around the business uh, more fully. So uh, thinking about, so how do you invest resources to grow a business? You know, where do you play? Um, where are you going to get the biggest bang for the client's buck? And, uh, you know, at our agency at UM, we think that media really should be a top line growth driver for brands. It's, it's not just a, an efficiency play. So, um, but one of the things for me in, in terms of those worlds, which I think, you know, 10 years ago, there's a little bit more separation today. And uh, we can talk about this too. It, there's, there's, these worlds are kind of bringing, or they're kind of collapsing together. So, um, one of the, analogies I like to think about is um, stories uh, versus storytelling. And, uh, you know, the story, I think the idea uh, is always going to reign supreme in terms of like moving people, right, or, or driving action or affecting change. Um, but I've, I found myself getting really interested in um, how an idea should come to life and, uh, and how that idea is articulated and where it appears can often make the difference, right, between whether campaigns like wildly successful or, or just just okay so um yeah so thinking about storytelling and story receiving um it's it's really opens up the range of options in terms of how we can bring stories to life it's uh 10 years ago there were lots of options today i think those options are exponentially greater yeah yeah and i mean that that could be just the focus of an entire podcast actually is is how media has changed over the last 10 years um like have there been particular things that have stood out to you i mean you mentioned the storytelling and the story receiving is that is that where you would see kind of the biggest shift in the last 10 years um i think that uh what we do as strategists um, try to solve problems and in order to do that, to understand those problems deeply. So I think, um, as you well know, uh, really trying to understand what's going on on a societal level is 
so critical to how we approach um, challenges that we get from our clients. So um, yeah, there's been so much upheaval, right? There's that thing called the pandemic that happened. Um, the uh, like there's just economic and financial uh, market turmoil that we've continued to experience. Uh, but I think things like explosion of information um, and uh, privacy concerns, uh, the means that we have as citizens, as consumers, to you know learn and educate and share and, and uh, communicate with each other, uh, has just uh, exponentially blown up. Um, but as uh, agency people, as strategists in particular, uh, I think that one of the things around how our profession has changed over the last 10 years is our ability to kind of bring in and more deeply understand ideas from each of these different areas. So um, I think we've always, and virtually all the planners that I have had an opportunity to work with over time, you know, we pride ourselves on on being close to the action, right? We, we know what's happening and we like to keep ourselves informed. I think that the challenge for strategists today is that there are so many more areas to be um, experts in. And I think that pressure, right, to believe that you need to be on top of uh, everything is is something that's that's uh, continues to, to be present and I think is uh, probably a heavier load uh, to be carried as a planner today. Yeah, yeah. What, what about kind of the craft itself and uh, agency and our clients' understanding of it, um, our, our role in the creative process? Have you seen those sorts of things shift? How brand strategists work with media strategists, uh, all of those things. Sure. Um, yeah, definitely. I think our roles have shifted and, uh, and it is really interesting, the relationship between uh, creative strategists, media strategists, um, digital strategists, I think uh, is, is really important to talk about. Um, I think 10 years ago, using that framework as a point of reference, we were able to kind of operate in kind of silos, right? We were able to operate and bring our best uh, story forward, bring our best contribution to our clients' challenges as separate entities and, you know, work through, here's some interesting perspectives. Uh, client would play a, a role in terms of deciding um, of all, uh, you know, the rich uh, meals that were being served up by their agency partners, which course to kind of dive into first. So there's a, but there's like a, a disparity and, and a bit of uh, separation, I think. So today, uh, certainly, our relationships with uh, the partners that we work with um, are much, much more collaborative. And I think we've seen uh, really great success where um, we always talk about this as kind of being an ideal, but great success where we're seeing all the players kind of work together and playing well in the sandbox. And it's an easy enough thing to say, but um, I think that's one uh, significant change is when we think about um, our team and typically it's the team is, you know, the group of people you work with day to day at your agency, I think the opportunity to broaden that definition of team to include those truly who are sitting outside your agency and working with other um, partners uh, and thinking of them as part of a collaborative, successful group. Um, it's a mindset change versus a, a tools change or a technology change. But I do think that that's something uh, definitely where I see um, it's getting some traction and building more successful campaigns. Yeah. I mean, that's super interesting because obviously, you know, 20 years ago is when um, media agencies split off from creative agencies. And so I, I think in a lot of ways, we're still trying to find our way back uh, together. Well, well, I think part of that pressure, too, is when you think about what's happening today, you know, marketers and business leaders, um, you know, they're under 
enormous pressure, right? Quicker turnaround, the rules are changing, there's greater demand for results, right, from their CFOs and CEOs. Um, so I think with that greater scrutiny, um, uh, there are some marketers who've kind of challenged our communications industry, frankly, like they said, uh, you know, maybe, maybe our, our agencies really need to, uh, in general across the board, um, uh, get better at kind of serving the needs of, of, uh, of marketers. And by that, I mean, not that they haven't in the past, but I think that some marketers are really looking for support more so now than ever before, right. To help them kind of navigate, um, and I think there are some marketers that uh, um, really need to, I know they're not just looking for a, a shiny win. Uh, they're looking for partners to work with them, right? And stand with them to help navigate the changes happening around them. So it's a longer term relationship build that they're looking for. It's not just like, we're going to kill this campaign and, and we'll all have a victory parade and then go home. Um, so less of a tactical partner and more of a strategic partner, which I, I think, again, really lends itself nicely to the role uh, and the opportunity for strategists today in our market to, to play a role. Makes sense. So, um, you know, you, you've touched on kind of the explosion of the, the media landscape, the increase of collaboration. Any other changes you've noticed um, in, in either the, the craft or the understanding or the role of strategists over, over the last 10 years before we move on to what you are prophesizing for the next time? Oh, prophesizing <laughs> let's see where that goes yeah. um <laughs> well sure i i think that uh uh three things that would that come to mind um one and it, it just it feels and even when i'm saying it, data is an important piece and i don't think that that means strategists have to become data masters but i think the reality is that the language that we're speaking in this industry today increasingly includes this vernacular around um, first party data, um, who is your target deeply, you know, how do they behave? Um, not just what, a what mindset they occupy. So I think that embracing that chunk of what we do as planners and strategists is going to continue to be really important. So as I said, I don't think what it means that we have to become masters of data and, and become amazing, you know, Excel sheet, uh, uh, aficionados, but it's more about the comfort level um, with incorporating that into our conversations, um, the comfort level that we have working with others um, that can provide us the insights, right, ultimately that we need in order to provide direction to our clients. So I say that's one. Data is a, is a huge one. Um, I think another one is, and this is a word that's bandied about quite a bit as well, is, is agility. Um, yeah, and, and I think that uh, strategists have always, that's actually been a strength I would say the ability of um, the average strategist to be able to pivot, right? Uh, and to, to, to be able to kind of cut through the clutter and, and uh, provide greater focus. But um, back to our, our clients, right? They're, the pressure, I think, for them to um, deliver and to uh, provide answers to their stakeholders is, uh, is increasing, but quicker turnaround, um, more agile structures as well. So. Uh, having a, a strategist, not one who can just think more quickly, but who's able to access others and to kind of build um, a community, whether that's just within their agency or again, outside their agency walls, um, that'll help them get to solutions and help them get to, um, to answers faster, I think uh, will be increasingly important. Uh, and maybe, and I've got a long list, but I just picked three because three is a good magic number. Um, but in addition to data and agility, um, 
Another thought that I think um, is going to be really important increasingly so is, uh, um, and I'll call this the ascendance of, of original thinking. Um, we're, uh, we're about to kind of step in. We're already experiencing it. A world where, you know, we've got some really great tools and, you know, the chat GPTs of the world, which we've, I'm sure we've all talked endlessly about, um, that allow us to surface a lot of information really quickly. Um, so, but I think that uh, uh, if I just use a, an analogy, so you think about uh, Henry Ford, right? And back in the good old days when um, he really brought the assembly line uh, to into real life and uh, revolutionized uh, kind of industry. And um, one of the amazing things about that was the combination of the idea of the car and the assembly line together. I think uh, generative AI is fantastic and we should find ways to make sure we know how to use that as strategists. But I think that in this environment, um, I actually think over the next couple of years, it's going to be an amazing time for the assemblers. It's going to be an amazing time for the cut and pasters um, because all this stuff is going to make them look glorious. Uh, however, the source of this stuff is kind of generic and general. And I think the assembly line, back to our Henry Ford analogy, that's kind of what's everyone's focusing on right now. But the idea and the original thought is kind of the car. And I think that's where um, strategists have an opportunity to continue to, to play a role in um, deciphering you know, all the stuff that comes back through the uh, reams of information that we're going to be having land in our laps. Um, but also to, uh, you know, not just decipher, but to create original thinking based on insights that we're able to dig up. So I think the power still lies there. The value still lies there. Ultimately, um, I, I am afraid a little bit for our industry in general for the next couple of years that we will fall into the uh, into the hypnotic trance of the assembly line um, without being a little more vigilant about uh, the quality of the stuff that comes back. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, 10, 15 years ago, we were talking about big data, and now it's even bigger data <laughs> and um, automated data. And how do you find the interesting nuggets and synthesize all of that um, and know what to synthesize? Because you don't necessarily need to synthesize all of it. Yeah, I think that's a great point. So like knowing what to synthesize, exactly. Um, yeah, and this big data is coming back, you're right, with with really fancy pictures too, right? So, uh, you know, what, one of the things that uh, I think has really continued to, to build, and this is nothing new, but we are increasingly becoming a, a more visually oriented society, right? And a society that has a shorter attention span, certainly within uh, communications. Um, but in that environment, in that backdrop, um, how do you synthesize, right? And I think uh, the strategists and planners um, who are able to kind of work in teams to, to crack that nut, I think that's going to be of immense value um, to, to clients and I think to uh, how agencies are going to thrive in the future. So then, I mean, perhaps you've already kind of answered the question, like what, what do you see coming um, in, the, in the next 10? Uh, is, is it kind of more of this expansion exponentially of these trends you've already alluded to? Uh, well, first of all, UFOs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another pandemic, for yeah. sure. Another <laughs> pandemic, for sure. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, generative AI and UFOs, um, with a little dose of uh, nostalgia thrown in there, that'll be like our nirvana state. Well, everything will be great. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Great. Okay, well, 
we'll just conclude here then. Yeah, just wrap it up. I don't really know how to follow that up. <laughs> um, I think, uh, uh, yeah. So in, in addition to the, um, in addition to the opportunity to continue to do what planners and strategists do best, which I think is that, that synthesis, that's synthesis, I can't say it. In addition to what they do best, you know, bringing together disparate information, finding those nuggets of insights that you talked about and, uh, and kind of projecting a really clear path. Um, I think that uh, we're going to continue, interestingly, and I, I believe over the next 10 years, to see hmm, the ascendance of, I'll call them conductors and playmakers. So yes, uh, ideas will still be uh, primo. And that's what's going to like, that's the, the lifeblood, I think, of our industry, ideas. But how those ideas are put together and, and uh, how their um, people and ideas are brought together so the producers, then you think about the music industry, right? And uh, um, I think more than over the last 10 years, but the, but the producer has kind of got in front of the camera. The producer um, is a hero now. And I think that uh, the next 10 years, um, I think not the, not the um, I guess the job title of producer so much, but the, the principle of what they do, people who can bring together pieces that make sense to come together. Um, people who are able to uh, holistically solve problems um strategists who are able to to bring um the ability to kind of see across a lot of different moving parts and uh and and bring together a coherent story i think that's going to be important right um i think another thing too is as uh technology as we embrace it as uh people um and we look to algorithms um, so, you know, my Spotify playlist tells me what I'm supposed to be listening to every week. And, uh, I don't know, do you, do you find this Michelle? Like when you're looking at your Spotify playlist, um, sometimes you get weeks where they, where it's a win and you're like, this stuff is amazing. And other times it's like, why are you suggesting that I listen to polka music? I don't understand. Yeah. Well, somehow my younger daughter's Spotify uh, has, she's been using my account. So all I get now is Taylor Swift. And so it's every week is, is, is a miss for me. But so. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to, the, to all the Swifties out there. Um, yeah, but I think that uh, we, you know, whether it's our refrigerators telling us when we need to replenish our, you know, milk or cheese or whatever um, to, to Spotify playlist. Uh, helping us right guide us towards uh, a better experience algorithms versus spontaneity i think that'll be an interesting um showdown over the next 10 years five years i think um i think that there's going to be um and this is less of a trends conversation i'm trying to pull it back into what this means for us as strategists but um the i think we're going to use the algorithms but i think we're going to be fighting the algorithms and um, making sure that as strategists um, and as marketers, that we don't just sleepwalk through the next five years, um, that we continue to challenge and kick the tires and allow and create spaces for spontaneity to, to live and to thrive. So that'll be a, uh, an interesting development. I think that's that's actually really interesting. I hadn't considered that because, um, you know, we talk a lot about data and how amazing it can be. And yet we can be real slaves to it. You know, we, we've all done the research and we say, well, but the data says that 59 percent of people, blah, 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 uh, without without any real context. And so that idea of potentially sleepwalking through the next five years and becoming slaves to the algorithm, because you can imagine a conversation there where it's like, well, the algorithm says 
you know, the, <laughs> um, you know, how, how do you, yeah, again, then where, where's the, the humanity and the spontaneity and, and our expertise and our, um, you, you know, all, all, all that we bring to the craft, um, getting that balance, right. That's, yes. And, and I love the, you use the word humanity as well. So, um, I don't think, um, as much from week to week sometimes that I, I find myself in this mindset, but I, I don't think that we are, um, the, the last bastions of humanity by any stretch in, in strategy, right? But we, we are closer often than uh, many in the teams that we work with to the consumer and to the, to the citizens. So um, I do think that uh, humanity and um, we'll call it the soft stuff um, is uh, actually going to become increasingly important for us to ensure as part of our conversations with our clients and, and when we're trying to solve problems, um, that we make sure we carve out space for those conversations to happen, which kind of brings me to uh, another point um, for the future. I think that uh, um, classic marketing has always been, you know, ready, aim, fire. Um, and I think, you know, we've, we've kind of been living through an era where we're, we do that some of the times. And sometimes it's just kind of like uh, fire, fire, fire. And, uh, you know, but, but I think that maybe the next 10 years, and I'm not saying this in a judgmental way. I'm saying this may be how we may need to get a little more comfortable with operating. It's kind of like fire, aim, fire. And um, the ready may never happen. So the uh, always on is a phrase we're all kind of familiar with. I think that uh, um, many campaigns have an important part of the component of how they deliver and being present, right? We don't know when consumers are going to be ready to hear our message um, or be ready to interact with us or be invited to a party or whatever. But um, being present and being always on, um, but also learning from how we're kind of, uh, it's like that old analogy, building the plane while you fly it. I really do think we got to get more comfortable doing exactly that. It's fire, aim, fire. No, that, that's super interesting. I, I love that we can kind of just go out now. I mean, obviously, we still have to put some checks and balances in place, but being able to ship, um, shift and shape things with live feedback, um, you know, because you, you could spend a whole lifetime in the ready part and never be ready because <laughs> um, things make you less ready the more you wait, um, especially in this environment. Um, yeah, I, I think a, another... Um... This is great. I, I love this conversation, by the way. I'm, uh, um, but uh, what, one of the things, too, I think, um, this idea of learning, not a new concept, but learning in real time, kind of just building off of what you just said, um, the ability to learn and act in real time, but with the emphasis on learning, uh, I think is another really rich opportunity for strategists to be able to, to um, kind of show their worth. Um, and I think... You know, I mean, it used to be you you generate ideas, you test them thoroughly, you refine them, you launch, you wait for the data, and 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 you, you know you assess your results. Uh, I think today that still happens, um, but uh, today I think we need to be more comfortable, like you said, with never being ready. Um, there's risk with launching with incomplete information, but I think that's what we need to be um, building systems and building decision making uh, processes around um, exactly that mindset. So. Um, I think the future will belong to those people who are comfortable with with learning and uh, I guess uncomfortable with being um, or comfortable with with being uncomfortable. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Um, so it's 
and I think that's a, a skill um, that can be fostered and, and grown, right? Um, it's almost kind of like playing tennis blindfolded, right? From time to time, you got to listen and act in ways that you might not feel comfortable doing. But uh, I don't know that you know we'd ever uh, get to become a, an incredible Nadal or uh, or Williams. But um, being comfortable playing the game without having all the information, I think, is uh, is something else that is probably going to become uh, more of a standard skill as opposed to a by exception. Yeah, because also the the issue then is it's not even about making decision without all the information. It's making a decision when you have way too much information, um, a lot of which can take you down like com- the completely wrong path. I mean, and, and there is no necessarily right or wrong either. So, Well, that just reminds me of that uh, that old classic behavioral economics experiment you know, when you said too much information kind of kind of just renders you useless to act almost. Um, but that experiment where they put all the jam jars in, in the front of a grocery store, right? And they had, I don't know, 12 of them. And people, it turns out when they did the experiment and ran it again with five jars of different flavored jams, they sold more jars of jam. Um, people tune out and they turn off and they can't act. They're kind of rendered um, a bit inert when there's too much stuff happening. And it's I think I think you're right. Um, it's not about that'll be an equally difficult challenge to contend with, right? It's it's not just about the the lack of information and making decisions based on incomplete, but making decisions in the face of an enormous amount of information. Um, yeah, maybe that's where the algorithm comes in, though. It's it's meant to ingest everything, and then right. <laughs> so you yeah. you send the algorithm into the grocery store and say two <laughs> two jars of jam, please. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but you might but you might not get back the jam that you like, but you'll get two jars. Yeah. yeah. It'll be just like everything mixed together in one just like a slightly different <laughs> I like the analogy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, I, I so I think that uh to to get ready for this, like what do you do? Right. And uh and I think it goes back to what we all kind of began to do in, in our careers as strategists, right? I think uh um you know, wandering is good. Uh, wandering gets you ready and uh, wandering allows you to, when you encounter something new, uh, to not run, you know, from the forest with your hands in the air, but to like, you know, take a look at it and go, oh, this is interesting. How can we use this? Um, Should we discard this? But encountering new things is only going to multiply, right? Um, As time goes on. I think um, like, CrossFit training across uh, different disciplines uh, for for strategists is really important. Um, and uh, I might have mentioned data, but I think there's other areas, uh, obviously, that are really important too. But um, I think uh, trying to foster for for those of us who are um, helping to build teams and uh, you know build agencies, fostering a um, an organization that inco- and encourages. Um, curiosity, you know, and a culture of intellectual curiosity, right, is is going to be so critical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but, the CrossFit training I'd never really considered. That's that's super interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah, and it's funny. I I think about uh, when we were uh, set up on uh, on Spadina at Wellington uh, at Taxi. Um, there's a there's a CrossFit uh, gym that was right next door to us, and every once in a while you go out into the street. And there'd be these these people like rolling tires down the street, right, and, and flipping ropes and doing all that kind of stuff. And and at the time, I thought because um, I didn't go to the gym, and I still don't. But anyway, 
that's a whole other topic. But uh, at the time, I'm like, this is ludicrous, right? Like, come on. Um, why, why is like throwing planks of wood around and, and doing this beneficial? But, but the philosophy of it, I think is really quite powerful, right? So, um, you're, you're able to, and it's not about being a jack of all trades, but it's about getting deep and getting your body and your mind, I think, familiar with being able to do different things. Um, so that when that opportunity comes up, you can do those things, right? Or at least you don't shy away from jumping in. Um, so I do think that there is. There is power in, in CrossFit. Uh, CrossFit strategy. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That sounds like a training course that you could um, lead us on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, actually, that makes me, while we think about training, my, my one last question for you, because I know that you are an instructor at OCAD, and I'm curious as to what you're seeing in these younger strategists up and coming. Like, are you you know, things that they're leaning into or, you know. I yeah, I, I think that's a really, really interesting question. Um, yeah, I've been uh, fortunate to have had the opportunity to teach at OCAD for, uh, yeah, for 10 years or so. Um, and I teach an advertising strategy course there um, and a couple of others over time. But um, yeah, one of the things that I that really struck me, particularly over, over COVID, right, over um, the pandemic and, and how we taught was affected, obviously, and how we worked was. So there were, you know, hybrid, we were all online, we were, we were in class this past year, which is amazing. Um, but uh, the engagement of students um, in what we're talking about. So what's an insight? Um, and how do you build an idea based on uh, a foundation? And, and how do you articulate that in a way that's compelling? All those fundamental questions, I think, are so continue to be so relevant uh, today in terms of how this group is reacting. Like I'd say the, the most recent crop of students who are graduating now versus those 10 years ago, I'd say two things that really stand out for me that um, uh, there's a big difference. And, and one of them, interestingly, is um, the social side and the, the uh, social responsibility side of the work um, that we're doing. There is so much more natural um, commitment to trying to understand how not only as a strategist or as creative thinker, um, you know, I can make a brand blow up and, and, uh, and, and succeed in, in the market, but what is the good that that brand is going to do for the community? What's the good that that brand is going to do for society? Um, that's something that organically I'm seeing happen much, much more um, regularly with students today versus uh, 10 years ago. And it's, uh, yeah. And it yeah, feels- no, that's, that's really heartening to see. And, and a lot of brands sitting up and paying attention to, to that as well, obviously. Well, so I think what this means for uh, companies, agencies who want to uh, recruit a lot of these great thinkers is it's not just lip service. They're going to want to know what you're doing as an organization. Uh, they're going to want to choose the brands that they work on and, and really um, genuinely commit themselves to those that they are, are aligned with in terms of their values. Um, and I think we all kind of fall into that basket to some degree, but particularly, uh, that's a really great question, seeing that change uh, in students. I think another thing that I would say that is a little bit different as well is um, the the way that they, because they not only are they digital natives, they're like, they're they're like the generation generation Z and before and the alphas that are coming up now through uh, through school 
and how they think and how they find information and how they communicate, um, even in the teams that they would build outside class is very different and much more organic, um, much more uh, spontaneous, to use that word again. Um, and I think what we would call structure uh, today and look at that group and say, hey, um, the way that they're working and interacting feels less structured, in their minds it's not. So I think that they're comfortable working in sprints, working in small pieces, um, collaborating and then breaking away and then jumping back in again. That's much more of a, an innate comfort skill, I think, that that group has uh, today versus that same group 10 years ago. Hmm. Yeah, that's another really interesting observation. I mean, because they've grown up with these little tidbits of, of media and things being thrown at them in all from all different directions and, um, you know, demanding their attention for a very short amount of time. So um, but it, but it is incredible um, with that uh, kind of framework of thinking, just the brilliant, brilliant ideas and and uh, and creativity that uh, that comes out of this group. So uh, they really are going to be the vanguard of, of how we connect and how we, we build ideas in the future. Um, and uh, it's really exciting, actually, just to be in the be in the building um, with uh, with our next wave of creators. Amazing. Great. Well, I mean, thank you so much for taking the time to ch chat with us. It was a really interesting conversation. Um, yeah, it was great. Thank you. And uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to, to chat, Michelle. No worries. I'm going to hit you up in another 10. So we'll, we'll okay. hear how this one went. I'll be here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share this episode, and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts.